Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's right. It's time for <laughs> with first pick podcast, our NFL draft podcast. I'm CBS Sports Draft Analyst Ryan Wilson. This is our general manager, Rick Spielman, more than 30 years of NFL experience. 10 years as the Vikings general manager. This is episode nine. Uh, this may look a little different, Rick, because we're in the same room because we're in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, the senior role practices have concluded. So uh, this is the conference room that Debo set us up with the, to do this this episode coming to you from Alabama. Next week, we'll actually be at the Super Bowl, which is worth keeping in mind. So this episode is going to be obviously about recapping what we saw for three days in Mobile at the senior bowl with, with all the players here. Uh, we'll do a little news about things that have happened around the league, and uh, then we'll look forward to, to the Super Bowl next week where the, the Chiefs are playing the old Eagles there. So uh, first things first here, what do we need to talk about? Um, next week, Tuesday, we'll be recording on set live, I believe is what Debo said, uh, from the Super Bowl, which will be in Phoenix, Arizona at Hans Park. And uh, Debo, I'm going to read this little thing that you sent around earlier. If you're in Phoenix – the week of the Super Bowl 57, stop by the Super Bowl experience at Hans Park to play CBS Sports and Paramount Plus's fan face-off. So there'll be all sorts of podcast goobers there like me and Brinson and Breach. Uh, there'll be more reputable folks there like you, Chris Hassel, Amanda <laughs> Guerra. Prisco will be there by yeah. force of will. Is that reputable or not? That's just the, the guy that we work with that we <laughs> have to mention, uh, contractually obligated to talk about. So that'll be next week, the Senior Bowl, if you're, or excuse me, Super Bowl. If you're in town, stop by Hans Park. We'll be there every single day uh, from morning until late afternoon. And then I think bands come on at 7 p.m. local time. So those are things to look forward to uh, next week. But this week, Senior Bowl, as we record this, it's Thursday afternoon. All three practices are over. Um, and... Let's start at the top here. So let's start with uh, some news first, and then we'll circle back around to the Senior Bowl uh, situation and what we saw um, a year ago while we were here is when the Brian Flores news broke, which was obviously very serious, and uh, he was able to be gainfully employed and had a good season in Pittsburgh. This is sort of less impactful off the field, but certainly perhaps impactful on the field. Tom Brady retired. Yeah. And when he retired a year ago – I thought he was serious, and then he decided that he wasn't serious and came back. It does sound like he's serious now. I saw where Robert Kraft is going to sign Tom Brady to a one-day uh, one contract. So I, I guess after you do that, the retirement papers aren't officially in, but it certainly feels like you're done. Um, yeah, and did you know just a little tidbit on that? Yeah. When you sign a player, why they do it now instead of at the 53-man cutter during a season? Because they actually have to count against your active roster. Oh, so if you have a 90 man roster, 
Okay, you have to cut someone in order to sign Tom Brady for a year. Then you can uh, put him in retirement and bring that player back. Just a little tidbit for the That's fans out there. So another little loophole for guys who are obviously <laughs> retiring on the one-day deal. So let's talk quickly. I'll ask you this. I don't know if you've been asked this before, but do you remember scouting Tom Brady back in 2000? Yeah, no, apparently not because we missed on him too. <laughs> but again, 199th yeah. overall, all 32 teams missed on him or having 30 teams, I mean, there were at the time. Do you remember? Him no, yeah, no. We've talked about him just like we've talked about all those guys. It was a late round guy, to be honest with yeah. you. I don't think anyone ever anticipated the type of career and that he may be the greatest quarterback to ever play yeah. the game in the NFL. And, you know, we were talking about earlier that if you look at a lot of these, the Joe Burrows of the world and the, and the Patrick Mahomes, all these superstar quarterbacks that are coming up now, they may be the GOAT, but will they ever be able to replicate the career that Tom Brady has had to play to 45 years old, to do what he's done. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see that again uh, in our lifetimes. So it was Tom Brady and Drew Stanton, I believe. Were they sharing reps at the time at Michigan? Is that who it was? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. And you you talk about this a lot on the podcast and even when we're just chit-chatting at the Senior Bowl, uh, how important the interviews are. Did you interview Tom Brady? Do you remember that, like the Combine? or No, no. I, I know we had some scouts interview him okay. because he didn't make, you know, at the Combine you can only request uh, so many formal interviews. Right. And most of those interviews that you're going to use at the combine are guys that maybe you didn't catch here at the East West or the senior bowl, but a lot of those will go towards the juniors that are going to come out because that's the first time you'll get an opportunity uh, to interview those when you're at the combine. So the bucks have a late round. They had to pick up after the, the midway through the first round in the twenties. Now they have a quarterback issue. Uh, maybe they would have had a quarterback issue either way. If Tom Brady because uh, he was going to be out of contract. Um, Wayne Gabbard is no longer under contract. They have Kyle Trask. I think he's the only one left under contract for that roster right now. That's right. So, and we've talked about this at length. The four quarterbacks, Bryce Young, you and I both like. C.J. Stroud, you and I both like. Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are going to be uh, divisive for different reasons. But all those guys could be long gone by 15, never mind, in, in the mid-20s. If you're the Buccaneers – is Derek Carr a solution? Are you looking for agency? What's your plan? Yeah, well, you're not going to be able to draft one of these top four quarterbacks. Now, if someone actually slides and you get lucky, but I don't know if you can risk doing that, especially with only one quarterback and a Kyle Trask on your roster. So they're going to have to get very aggressive, I believe, in free agency to go out and get one of these vet quarterbacks to come in. And they should, because even if they did draft a rookie quarterback, yep. uh, it's going to take time to develop that player, especially one of those guys that fall down that far. They have a veteran roster that has a lot of very good players on it. There's still a roster that can go out and compete for an NFC South title, uh, get in the playoffs and see what happens, but they need a trigger, a trigger man or a quarterback in order for them to, to be competitive next year, especially if they want to get back into the playoffs. The Bucks pick 19th, actually. So Debo has it on if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, they're 19th right now. So, I don't know, maybe Anthony Richardson falls that far, but it, something would happen. Well, let me ask you this. You've, you've scouted Anthony Richardson. If you're Tampa Bay, would you go after a vet? Or would do you think that you would put give the uh, keys to the car to Anthony Richardson with that roster right now and expect to go out and win? Here's what I do. I would take Anthony Richardson if he was there at 19. And then you talk about rookie quarterbacks and the, the concerns with that. Well, you have Kyle Trask. He hasn't played a lot. He came out in the same class. Have you seen Kyle Trask play in the preseason? 
Well, here's the thing, right? So Kyle Trask, Davis Mills, Kellamon all went basically one after the next, bottom of the second, early the third, third. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So where did you have those? You obviously drafted Kellamon, and I liked him a lot at the time. Where did you have those guys ranked? Well, Kyle Trask, the biggest issue with him was he was more of those old school, uh, maybe a Bruce Arians type quarterback that wasn't as athletic, a pure pocket passer. Right. They can stand in there and he flung the ball around the yard pretty good when he was at Florida. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to fit with whoever their new offensive coordinator is, which would be a play a big part of this right. on what direction they go at that position. Okay. Let me add, that leads me to another question. So as a general manager, you're hiring everybody that's underneath you on the org charts. And so when it comes to an office coordinator, you're obviously talking to the coach uh, about what he wants, and then that's going to fit what happens with the, uh, the quarterback you draft or sign. Right. Well, the head coach has to make the determination on who the offensive coordinator is going to be. And we have to all be aligned with the same philosophy going forward. So you have to look at the personnel you have. You have to look at the scheme that can potentially fit whoever your quarterback is. Is that new offensive coordinator willing to make adjustments to his scheme to fit the skill set of the quarterback? A la, you know, when Greg Roman was at Baltimore before he let go. They revamped their whole offense to fit what Lamar Jackson does. And it seems the teams that are having the best chance to have success are those offensive coordinators that understand what the strengths and weaknesses are of the quarterback and then adjusting their scheme accordingly. So to answer your question, I'm drafting Anthony Richardson to be there at 19. I'm starting Kyle Trask. And if Kyle Trask sucks four weeks in, you're going to get thrown into the deep end. And I'm of the opinion that I'm okay letting these guys sit. I know we don't live in an age where quarterbacks, especially first-round guys, can sit. But Prisco and Brady Quinn are always like, throw them out there. And Brady said previously this fall that he would just put Anthony Richardson out there and see what happens. How, how do you feel about that? Well, it depends what your team is. If you have well, a veteran team, which I think the, it's a veteran team, then you're going to have to find different ways to win a game than right. relying on a quarterback. He can't come in and put that team on his back. They're going to have to do something similar to what, and I don't think they have as talented of a roster uh, as the San Francisco 49ers did this year when Brock Purdy came in. I mean, he got the ball out of his hands quick, got it to his playmakers, made enough plays, uh, and that's why San Francisco had so much success with Brock Purdy. They would have to make sure that they have enough playmakers, and I don't know if their playmakers right now on offense match with the San Francisco 49ers have. No, it's close. I mean, it's hard to, to match that even with with Mike Evans and and Rashad White's now going to be the running back, and of course uh, the slot guy from Penn State whose name escapes me. Who's that? Are you asking me? Yeah. Huh? He he was coming off Godwin. Godwin, thank you, Chris Godwin. I saw, I saw the hamster running around up there. I couldn't think of his name. Okay, so let me turn the tables on you, and then we'll, before we move on, as the general manager of the Buccaneers, are you going out for Derek Carr, Jacoby Brissett, or whoever your Jimmy Garoppolo, or are you going to draft? No, you're going to look at all your options because you're in these meetings right now. Um, you're identifying your needs, and then you're going to put together a, a game plan uh, do we want to go the veteran route because of where our roster is and who's going to actually be available? And is it going to be reasonable to go out and get these guys? But you also got to tie in what it's like with your cap, where your cap situation is right now. I know the cap's jumping up, uh, I think, to $225 million or somewhere this year. But you still be able to have to fit that quarterback's salary into the cap as well yeah. because if you bring in someone and you have to sacrifice a good football player uh, because they can't fit them both in the cap, 
you better make sure that quarterback is the right quarterback. But I see them going, leaning more towards a veteran quarterback, whether that's Garoppolo, whether that's, you know, Derek Carr. And, and if they trade for him, what's that compensation going to be? Mm-hmm. But look at the number that Derek Carr has. If you do trade for him, you would have to also rework the contract in order to fit everything into your cap. I don't see Rodgers going down there, to be honest with you. Uh, so, but they'll look at the veteran market and they're going to have to figure out uh, which one that they have a legitimate chance to go out and get. Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, Debo has the list of free agents, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Jimmy G. We talk about Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Daniel Jones, who'll probably end up staying put, Case Keenum. A lot of former Spielman guys on this list here. <laughs> Mason Rudolph, who really hasn't had a chance to play Geno Smith, will probably say put as well. So, right, it's not slim pickings, but you you got to get in early or you're going to be left without a chair. When it, when if I was the general manager of Tampa Bay, I'd be very busy at the combine. Okay, one last question, because you talked about the contract situation with these veteran quarterbacks. That's the beauty of having a quarterback on a rookie deal. Would that Correct. play at all in your thought process, or you're more concerned about winning – in September. Well, you just got to decide, and that's usually with your ownership involved, right. is are we going to go total rebuild? Uh, we're going to tear this roster down, or are we going to kind of retool and try to get a guy to come in? And maybe you do get an Anthony Richardson, but you also uh, bring in a veteran and let him sit for a little bit, like you mentioned a little right. earlier, and maybe you go a cheaper route on, uh, on a quarterback like an Andy Dalton or like a yeah. Teddy Bridgewater or uh, Case Keenum. But you know, if you did draft Anthony Richardson, that eventually he's going to take over. It's just a matter of when does he take over. Okay, let's talk about the Texans and the D'Amico Ryans hire. They have two first-round picks. They have the second pick and the 12th pick, I believe. And I love this hire for one reason. And you and I talked about this a little bit, but a lot of times offensive or defense coordinators get are the hot name because of how they've done in their job. But it feels like sometimes that going from a coordinator – to a head coaching job, it's like going from a lawyer to an accountant. Like you're asked to do something completely different that you may not be equipped to do. Like me going from a general manager to a podcaster now. <laughs> That's, as you all, he's joked the entire week, Diva, that he's he's broke, he's homeless, and this is this is his lot in life being stuck with me. And it's a fair point, but it does feel like in you probably and maybe you've had this experience where you've fallen in love with a candidate based on what they accomplished on one job, but you're now asking them to be a manager over offense, defense, special teams, a whole group of players, not just one room of players. And it feels like D'Amico Ryans can bring some structure perhaps to a Texans team that has been disorganized the last few years, in part because they keep firing the coaches. Uh, Do you like this hire? And do you uh, sort of buy my theory that it's important to have a guy who can manage people, maybe more so than do X's and O's? Yeah, I think it was a great hire for Houston. One, because that's a former player who had a very productive career. We've been to some Pro Bowls. Uh, Not only was he a very good football player off the field, but as a player, he was a great leader in the community. You hear players that played with him talk about him and how he took command, even as a player, as a team leader. So a lot of times when you're trying to hire a head coach, uh, you want to make sure that they have at least one skill set on the offense or defensive side. In, in his situation, he, he's done a great job as a defensive coordinator to make sure he brings someone with a very uh, detailed and successful background on the offensive side. Right. Uh, but the most important thing that I think he brings to that organization is structure and leadership. And it sounds like everybody you talk to, that he's one of those guys that when he gets in front of the room, 
He has a presence about him. When he gets in front of the room, those guys want to play for that guy. Just like your quarterback, they have to want to play for your head coach, and he has to have command and control. Uh, and I think he has all of those characteristics and traits that they were looking for. Let me ask you this. What would you rather have? Would you rather have someone who was a, a, a great motivator, maybe didn't know that, you know X's and O's so much? And I'm not saying about Tamika Ryan's. I think obviously, as you said, he's a former player. Defensive coordinator with Shanahan is doing a fantastic job there. But just for this hypothetical, because I know you love hypotheticals. Oh, yeah. This is what we're in a hypothetical business. <laughs> so great motivator, but maybe you know he doesn't know what he's talking about when you talk to him privately. Or do you want a, a guy who mumbles but is an absolute genius? No, you have to have a guy that's the leader. Okay. Because if he can't get up there and command – and doesn't have presence in front of that room, yeah. how do you expect those guys to follow him? Now, he's coming in with instant credibility, not only what he did as a player, but what he did as a defensive coordinator in San Francisco. And when you're looking from the front office and you're working with the ownership group, you're trying to find guys that have had success. Well, look at what came out of Kyle Shanahan's coaching tree. I mean, he's got Robert Sala in, at, the, at the Jets, and he's got them starting to turn around if they get their quarterback resolved. Right. LaFleur and Green Bay. Um, so he's had a lot of successful uh, McDaniel that's down in uh, Miami. Yeah, that's right. Mike McDaniel was another one out of the Shanahan tree. So you know that Mike Shanahan has done a great job, or Kyle, I'm sorry, has done a great job not only finding coaches that are future head coaches, but developing these coaches. And everyone so far that's came out of his tree has had a lot of success. And that goes a uh, when you're doing the background and you're putting all the pieces together, that's something that you have to look at as well. And I would imagine in much the same way that when we talk about we're, we're, we're scouting these players at the senior bowl, for example, when you talk to the coaches from their college coaching staffs, if they're like, eh, well, yeah, he's a great practice player. For example, when you talk to Kyle Shanahan about Mike McDaniel, if you're the Dolphins, he says, yeah, he's a great practice coach. That to me, that might be a red flag to you that maybe this guy isn't cut out to be. Or, or, or Kyle Shanahan is trying to keep him so he doesn't get right. a job. That's true. That's different. That's right. He's not so out you got to look at both uh, because sometimes the red flag goes up if a head <laughs> coach is trying to really push a candidate on you. Oh, why, why do you want to get rid of him so bad? Oh, so it's the reverse. That's yeah. why you're the general manager on the podcast. You actually think these things through. Uh, all right, let's talk about the other sort of big news that came down this week. Sh uh, Sean Payton is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. The elephant in the room, of course, is Russell Wilson and what happened to him. Uh, as a general manager, I don't know if this ever came across your desk because uh, there haven't been a lot of instances of it. I think maybe Jimmy Johnson, I'd have to go back and look, but um, trading picks for a coach. And they gave him a first-round pick this year's first-round pick, which is at the bottom of the first round, uh, the former 49ers pick for uh, Bradley Chubb. Uh, no, oh, what was the forty? I'm not sure where the pick was. It was uh, originally the 49ers pick. Um, yeah, Bradley Chubb, that's what it was. Sorry. And then a second round pick as well. So that feels rich because you already get the first rounders for Russ Wilson to acquire him last offseason. Your team struggled beyond anyone's comprehension this year, and now you don't have to draft ammunition to help rebuild that roster, but you have a coach who has proven – been a proven winner, especially when it comes to offensive philosophy. Yeah, I don't know if they've had they had a choice. They had to hit a home run. Yeah, in their head coaching, and you have Russell Wilson, who you gave a lot of draft capital up for, that you are married to with the new contract over the next four, at least four years. So you better have someone, and it didn't work with it because he was a rookie coach, and that that mixed. Or whatever reason didn't didn't work. So if you got a guy 
like a Peyton coming in that has had success with the Drew Brees, has taken New Orleans Saints to a Super Bowl, has been pretty much the dominant team in the NFC South until Tampa Bay got uh, Brady. Yeah. Uh, he knows how to win, and he knows how to put a very good coaching staff together. So I don't think Denver had much of a choice. They had to knock it out of the park, especially mm. when you have a new ownership group coming in. Right. And that makes a difference, too. So when you have a veteran quarterback that had a down year that you just gave all this money and draft capital to, you better go out and get a coach that has experience, and hopefully he has the same success that he had with uh, Drew Brees when Drew Brees came, when he left uh, the Chargers right. and, and came in uh, to New Orleans. And since he has a track record of that, I can see why they did that. But they had no other option, in my opinion. Right. And if you're watching on YouTube, Debo had the graphic of just how successful Sean Payton was during his time in New Orleans. All right, I'll ask you this quickly before we take a break and, and circle back to the Senior Bowl, guys. Um, Drew Brees coming out, Russ Wilson coming out. Russ was obviously a third-round pick. Drew was an early second-round pick. Did you have them graded similarly, differently? Oh, boy. Well, both of them were short. Both so short. back Six. when those guys came out, that, that, was, was, that was an issue. Right. There's no way they're going to be successful in the NFL because they can't see over the offensive linemen. Right. And they were very good college quarterbacks. And, you know, I remember scouting Russell Wilson both at North Carolina State. And then they actually he transferred to Wisconsin uh, because Mike Glennon was going to be the quarterback. And so I think that's why he ended yeah. up leaving North Carolina State to go to Wisconsin. But the minute he stepped on campus at Wisconsin, they, they named him team captain that, that summer. He had a great uh, career, one-year career at Wisconsin. And so we actually, that was a year we actually coached him down at the Senior Bowl. Oh, Leslie okay. Frazier and, and the staff we had then, actually, Kevin Stefanski, uh, all those guys were around Russell Wilson. And we knew what kind of character he was. He was smart brilliant in the classroom and everything just didn't know because he was short, if yeah. he was going to have the success that he's had, but that was the same knock on drew Brees. Both of those, you know, shot that theory or that myth uh, out of the water. And now to circle back to the Ryan for take this break, second overall pick Bryce Young could be that guy. And he's the smallest of any of them. And that'll be, you know, something to watch unfold and, and see how it plays out. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and then we'll actually talk about some Senior Bowl stuff since we're here at the Senior Bowl. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back. Uh, if you haven't noticed already, me and Rick are sporting our uh, With the First Pick podcast. All right, our producer, Debo, will make sure everybody gets a free With the First Pick t-shirt down if you come see us at the Sunu Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> or at the Super Bowl. All right, Debo, uh, get, get your marks in order. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the old uh, Senior Bowl. So you and I um, watched all three practices, uh, American and National, and let's see. Let's start with the quarterbacks because that's where we should always start when we have these conversations. Well, why don't we just end it right here? Because it was a rough go for quarterbacks on both sides. And, 
you know, have you seen Ritter here? You've seen Herbert here. Uh, I remember, you know, seeing Philip Rivers here. I mean, there's always been some good quarterbacks, at least one good quarterback, but I don't know if any of these guys really stood out to even consider on a Friday. I think all the guys that we've seen here this week were going to be either late round or college free agents. Yeah, like I came in and you, you, you... I felt bad for the receivers because from my favorite line in the movies from Major League, just a bit outside was the theme when you watch these quarterbacks throw this week. There were a, a lot of misses, uh, for sure. And I came in, I thought Jaron Hall had some put out some good tape in the fall. He struggled. He may have struggled more than anyone in this senior bowl. That doesn't mean his career is over. It just means that he struggled for these three days. Uh, if you're going to press me, maybe Max Duggan was the best, best I would of say. the bunch. Yeah. Uh, Toon struggled at times. Hayner is only six. He only measures six feet tall and, he, um, I, I really had an issue with his deep ball accuracy this week. He missed a lot of guys deep, even on the one-on-ones. Um, that was that was a concern. And then um, Cunningham was, came in late. Malik Cunningham came in late, but he actually he did some things well. But he, you know, 5'11", 187. Uh, he can obviously win with his legs, but he probably had the best touch on the deep balls of the ones that we saw. And again, we haven't gone back and watched the practice tape, just watching it live. And then Tyson Bajan, uh, Bajan excuse me, from from Shepherd Division Two in West Virginia. He struggled, and I but I would say this: he is big. He he looked athletic for a big quarterback moving around. Um, he does have a strong arm, yep. a very smooth release. I think you going from Shepard to all of a sudden down to Senior Bowl. It's a little bit of a shock to your system. Sure. Uh, he settled down a little bit, but he also missed some throws. And the one thing I really question: when you're playing at Shepard, and nothing against Shepard, it's not playing against the same caliber of talent that he saw here down at the Senior Bowl. So. The throwing windows uh, are going to be a lot closer when a DB is on. Uh, sometimes he held the ball. I don't know how quickly he got through his progressions, uh, but they all seem to struggle with that this week. Yeah, and we saw our guy, Lee J. Doosable, down here as well, and he said to me, we saw him on Wednesday afternoon before the practice started, and he said to me, and you said this as well, Tuesday are nerves. So you drop a ball, you fumble a ball, you miss some throws. Maybe it's just nerves because it's a new environment and a little pressure. And, and the other thing about it is you got to remember, some of these guys haven't had pads on or football practice since December. And that's the other thing. Yeah, so and that's then, over a month. Some of these guys that came from the small schools that weren't in the playoffs, they ended in November. So if you're making these same mistakes on – Wednesday, Thursday, then you start to have questions. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some guys that were smaller school prospects that came in and maybe try to get their feet wet or feet under them on Tuesday, but you've seen them continue to climb and get better each day out of practice. And it was disappointing, though, that we didn't see that out of this quarterback class that is down here. Right. All right, let's start with the, the small school guys that you, you want to focus on. We'll talk about the guys who had good weeks uh, do you have anyone in mind, or do you want me to start? Go ahead and start, and I'll uh, go ahead and tell you if you're right or wrong, as All I right. always do on this podcast. Apparently, it makes people mad, but that's fine. <laughs> I, you're going to like this one, because I, I think we can both agree. And I, I'm thinking this is a small small school guy you were talking about, Cody Malk, yeah. North Dakota State. Um, measured just under 6'5". I think he was uh, just a little bit over 300. Short arms, 32 and change, which is short if you're playing tackle, which is what he played in North Dakota State. So he worked all week inside at guard and at center. And the first few reps on Tuesday, he he looked a little, not overwhelmed, but surprised by the, the speed and the power that he was going up against. And then after that, he looked like he fit right in. And at points 
on Thursday. I thought he was actually dominating the one-on-ones in Hadega. Yeah, he was one of the small school kids that the stage wasn't too big for. <laughs> That's what I could and, and when he's done his uh, NFL career, he'll be on this podcast. All three of us will be squeezed in here at the small right. hotel room in right. Mobile, Alabama, and Probably me and Ryan will both have our teeth smithing by then, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he did a great job uh, adjusting to the speed of the game. And it's not only the speed of the players and the power of the players that he's going against. The one thing is that when you move from tackle, you're kind of out on an island. And he played left tackle his whole career there. Uh, Then all of a sudden you slide inside the guard. Well, those defensive linemen are on you a lot quicker because you're in a smaller area. And so you have to get adjusted to how quickly things are going to happen inside. And I think as he got comfortable on Wednesday and even today, uh, he was he really took a step forward and uh, very excited to see him even in pass protection in the one-on-one drills, uh, how he was able to move his feet. He's more than athletic enough to play guard. I'm not so sure, though, and I may be wrong. I understand he has short arms, but some teams may draft him to see if he fails at left tackle. The thing that I was a little surprised at, unless I missed it, I didn't see him take any left tackle reps while he was down here. So usually uh, when teams are talking about players with Jim Nagy, who does a phenomenal job running the senior bowl, they want to see him. And we saw a lot of guys at multiple positions, especially on the offensive line. Uh, But he wasn't. He stayed at guard. He had a couple of snaps at center and the one on those, but most time he was just guard. And so I think teams just wanted to see, did he improve as, as he moved inside? And I think he solidified himself as for sure a day, uh, day two uh, potential offensive guard in this draft. Right. And I talked about this uh, on Thursday morning. We were on, uh, on HQ, and I mentioned Quinn Miners from uh, Wisconsin Whitewater a few years ago during the COVID year, came here. His season had been canceled because of COVID, and he had a really good week and ended up going third round. Uh, 90th overall to the Broncos, where he now starts on that offensive line. I think he's better than Quinn Miners, who I thought was a good football player. A good football player. I think this kid is longer. Yep. I think this kid is just as or probably more athletic. Uh, and I think this kid has more position flexibility. Uh, right. So you want to give us a name? On uh, one of your, your favorites? Oh, by the way. staying in all school or are we going big school? Or we just open it all up. Let me. Uh, Debo, just know, reminder, one of our $1 bets. Yep. Mouth versus Freeland. Who goes first? Oh, I already won that one. You, I, I think Debo. <laughs> Freeland, he had an average week. I think I, I would like to have seen more. Um, we can talk about that later. Dave, he's not on our, our list of guys to talk about. I'm sort of still looking my wounds from that one. So I'm down a dollar, it looks like. But I'm going to get you on the other $1 bet if I remember what that one is, too. Um, we'll talk about that later. So you can talk small school. Any guy that you have as a riser that, that, that um, gets you going. Yeah, you know, uh, we could we talked about this was uh, some of these corners that we didn't know a lot about really stepped up, and I was really impressed with uh, watching them in one on one drills. Watching them, a couple guys was rushed from South Carolina, who I didn't know much about. Everybody here is about Cam Smith, the other corner, who's junior corner that's going to be a first round pick. But this kid didn't blink an eye in one on drill. He's got receiver background. He's a former receiver, so when you saw him mirroring. Uh, the receivers uh, running routes. He was actually breaking a lot of times before the receivers got out of break. So he made a lot of plays this week that I think that really stood out in uh, Caillou Blue Kelly. 
Got it. Yeah, <laughs> I've been practicing. <laughs> a Stanford man. Uh, actually, I was surprised how athletic and smooth he was and how instinctive he was during this whole week. And then the other uh, safety that probably made a big jump today, and we talked about him, was your sawed-off safety from yeah. uh, Illinois, Illinois, Sydney Brown. And uh, I was surprised because he's a shorter safety, uh, really rocked up and yoked up. But he made plays in space this week. So when they had him back, you've seen his transition. You've seen him close and recognize routes where when you watch the Illinois tape, he was mostly in man coverage and, and beating up tight ends, but you rarely seen him on the back end of a defense. And this week, I think he answered some of those questions uh, that he can play in the deep half of the field as well. And it's funny you say that because I was talking to a, a scout before the Senior Bowl about That's, Sidney Brown. What? It's not that funny, but go ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rick Comedy Standards, it's hilarious. <laughs> but he said basically what you said. He said it's not so much how short Sidney is, is how – the, the length, like he, right. how his arms, how, can he play in space? And he did show those things, and he got better a, as the week went on. So Sidney Brown, for me, is a day three guy, a special teamer, and, and that's just reality, probably given his size. If he's 6'2", 225, then that's a different conversation. I, you probably, I would imagine you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. He can he can probably help you out uh, as, a, as a backup. Let me ask you, I'm, like, I'm trying to start my Rolodex is going yeah. on comparisons. Let me throw this one out. Oh, uh, you're not going to say what, you're, what are you going to say? Who, who do you, are you anticipating what I'm going to say? Let me see if you're right. Bob Sanders. No. Oh, okay. No, I was just joking in the okay. stands. <laughs> there is uh, a safety from the University of Florida that was with the New Orleans Saints that ended up getting traded to the Philly. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Yeah. He wasn't this small, though, was he? Yeah. He was? Yeah. Well, he's a bulldog. Yeah. Okay. That's so a, that's the thing that just popped into my head when I'm sitting here kind of going through the Rolodex. And so it'll be interesting to see what he runs and all that stuff. But He's a fourth-round pick, I believe. Yeah, but yeah. he uh, – he uh, I was surprised that Sidney Brown ran, and I think he's going to run a really good uh, 40 at the Combine. So make a note, Debo. Debo's an Eagles fan, so you might get your Sidney Johnson – Chauncey Gardner-Johnson 2.0 and Sidney Brown, whose twin brother, by the way, is Chase Brown, the running back who was also here this week from, from Illinois. You mentioned Darius Rush, so we talked about Cam Smith – throughout the fall because he was the guy that was on everyone's radar as a first round pick. And Darius Rush just flew under the radar until this week. And it felt like even though he was really good Wednesday, he somehow got better on Thursday. Uh, so and I asked you, I'm going to ask you again, uh, if, he, if he came in as a, you know, he's a middle day three guy for you. It certainly feels like he could crack at the top 100 type conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think after this week and now let's see how he do does through the rest of the pre-draft process. Uh, because I know, you know, when you're sitting there breaking all these guys down and you're going through 100 corners and you want to make sure, okay, I, I got to really hone in on Cam Smith because I know he's going to be a first-round talent. We'll make sure. And I don't want to say that Rush is an afterthought, but maybe uh, was a little bit during the season. And yeah. then all of a sudden he comes down and does what he does at the Senior Bowl. I don't think he's an afterthought anymore. And um, Kelly, you mentioned from Stanford, the – the cornerback. Caillou Blue Kelly. Caillou Blue Kelly. I'm not sure I got that right. Um, oh, and here's – oh, yeah. So, Debo, if you're watching on YouTube, this is the, the scoreboard that Rick and I would look at every few minutes and see Darius Rush's name at the top. I think he was a 4 5, five guy before the season is, is how he, he was measured. He looked a lot faster out there. Uh, certainly, Trey Palmer, the wide receiver from Nebraska, you mentioned that he looked fast on tape. 
Uh, Jacorian Bennett, the cornerback that I like out of Maryland, who plays opposite Deont- uh, Deontay Banks, who's going to be in the first round conversation. And let's let's go to the last two guys because we like both these players. And you know, you make fun of me for liking the smaller guys. Trey Tucker's tiny. Ty J. Spears is a little bigger, perhaps. Ty J. Spears had a great first day, and he parlayed that into two more uh, really strong days at the running back position. Uh, the running back out of Tulane, and then Trey Tucker, uh, who is probably. Well, let me ask you: Is he more in the eyes of NFL teams that are evaluating him? In, you look at him as returner first, and then what? I think before? he's good enough to be a slot. Just okay. because he was a mismatch, you know, the, the, all these small guys, but the burst and speed he has getting into out of his cuts. But the guy that I'm surprised was not up there was a guy that I really like, Tank Dell, that came out this week right. from Houston. And I think when you look at all these guys and we talked about it, okay, you start clustering guys together where they're going to go in the draft. And so my cluster of these small slot receivers that are going to be, all three of them are going to have very good punt return skills and probably legit punt returners in the NFL was, was, was Tucker uh, from Cincinnati was uh, Dell from Houston. And then Darius Davis, who you kind of like because yeah. of the speed from TCU. But after this week and after we got an opportunity, and this is what's so great about the senior bowl, you got to see him back to back to back and who's doing what in practice to me, I thought Tank Dell really stood out out of those three and separated himself a little bit oh, in that cluster. Yeah, I like Trey a little better. Darius didn't practice on Thursday. At least we didn't see him out there yeah. unless we missed him. So we'll find out what happened with that. But that's right. You talk about these clusters, guys, in similar size, weight, speed. Uh, Ability. Job, respons- job responsibility ca- ca- categories. So like fourth round feels maybe a little too rich because they're – limited what they can do on the field against bigger cornerbacks. So maybe I'm wrong because they add something in the special teams. Yeah. But if you're know that you're going to get a legitimate punt returner, if one of these guys go to the combine and all of a sudden bust out a four, three or four, two, yeah, that's going to bump them up a little bit. I think they're Saturday guys. Uh, but one of those guys, if they continue to do what they've been doing through this pre-draft process Maybe get to the end of the third. I think uh, who New England take last year um, in, the, in the third round. Is yeah. that right? And, yeah. he, and he can He's run. Small. small can run, but he won a couple games for him uh, as a returner. And, and then they put him over. He's a corner, but then they put him over on the offensive side of the ball, and he went, and he made some plays as an offense. And he had some. Um, he had some reception to Houston as well, playing receiver. Yeah. They they took advantage of that athleticism. Um, as you like to say, a little more rocked up than than perhaps the the cluster of guys we saw. This week, but still, those guys are incredibly athletic and they're not rail thin. And let's see, any other guys you want to highlight that you loved? Oh, yeah. Who, who's my center that I love oh. the most? I've been talking Jeez, about him Debo. since September. <laughs> so Debo Prisco makes fun of me for falling in love with the players when I come here. And there's a long list of guys. I, I have been uh, outshone by <laughs> Rick's love for John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota, who's, who had a great week, had a great season. Um, what stood out to, to you? about his game because he's not a small center. A lot of right. these guys that we've seen are usually smaller, more athletic guys, but he's a big center. I, I've, I've said this and my comparison was Fredrickson who Dallas took from Wisconsin uh, at late in the first round. It might've been a second or the last pick in the first round yeah. when they drafted him, Travis Fredrickson. Uh, but I thought he had similar traits to athletic enough to either fit in his own gap uh, he was stout in pass protection. He moves his feet and adjusts to any type of pass rush move that he faced this week. But the other thing that 
he doesn't get enough credit for because he's a bigger body. When they work these combination blocks with the guard, so the guard in the center will jump on top or start blocking the uh, defensive tackle, and then he would release up to the linebacker and mm-hmm. it was kind of combination block. And this guy played on his feet. I was I was extremely impressed with how he moved in space. If you are a team lucky enough to get John Michael Schmitz uh, in the second round and get Osiris Torrance in the first round, I think you're set. You're, you're set with your offline because <laughs> both of those guys had great weeks, and both of those guys are going to be day one starters as rookies. And what if you trade uh, trade back up into the second round and get another guy who flashed on day one and then he had concussion-like symptoms, but if he had just decided to, to go home, I would understand, Dewan Jones. Uh, six, yeah, eight, go ahead. 6'8", 375, 36-plus-inch arms. It was like a, a, his wingspan made him 7'5". He blocked out the sun. Yeah. 89.5 inch wingspan. Longest ever at the Senior Bowl. If you're watching on YouTube, Debo had to grab it up. Graphic up, excuse me. His nickname is Big Thanos. So he's not just regular size Thanos. He's Big Thanos. Who's Thanos? (laughs) (laughs) Again, Debo, this is what I'm up against. But I was talking to um, someone uh, on the staff of one of the Big Ten teams, defensive staff that that faced Oklahoma State. And I said, who was a big. Ohio State. Ohio State. Thank you. I said, who was a bigger issue for you? to prepare for Dewan Jones or Paris Johnson Jr. on the left side, who's going to be almost certainly a first-round pick and maybe the first offensive tackle taken. And he said it was Dewan. Yeah. And Dewan has cut some weight to 375. He looked pretty spelled out there. Yeah, actually, he actually had his shirt rolled up. So his uh, he actually – there was an ab sighting with a couple <laughs> ripples in there. <laughs> At 375. At 375 pounds. But the first day, uh, I thought he was the most dominant offensive lineman down here of the bunch. And I think he really helped himself. Uh, he may not be the fleetest afoot, mm-hmm. but he has really good movement skills for his size. But you can't get around the guy. It's almost impossible to get around him with that wingspan. And even if, if you a defensive pass rusher gets on his edge or on his shoulder, he is so long, you got to go another 10 yards <laughs> around his arm to even get back to the quarterback. So, so you comped him to Orlando Brown. I comped him to Orlando Brown. The original Orlando Brown. Zeus? Right. No, I think he's a better athlete than Zeus. Right, okay. Um, and, uh, oh, I was going to say. Better you, than Trent Brown, too, who we talked about earlier, who came out of Florida, who was another big giant of a man. Could DeWan sneak into the first round? Uh, I don't know. I think if he, okay, now here's what will happen. If he goes, say he runs at the combine, runs at the pro day, and he runs 5-8, that's not going to get him in the first round. Why do you care about that? Because you're going to look at the 10 time as well, and that makes a difference in the offensive lineman. Uh, and I don't want to go into a whole analytical conversation because it'll go over yours, and the <laughs> Debo will fall asleep as he tries to produce this show from wherever the hell he's at tonight. <laughs> Parts unknown. <laughs> but if he runs four threes or five threes, somewhere in that range, he has a chance to definitely break cracking in the first round if he runs four three he's going first overall yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be amazing uh but in the one-on-one drills this week in the senior bowl we saw him just not only stonewall isaiah foskey who was probably one of the stronger edge rushers here but got him off his feet and part of the, the issue was foskey stopped his feet and you can't do that against no against a dump truck and no it's just a lose-lose but again one practice in and we've seen this before with non-injury related situations where players just they're they're Agents tell him to, to you know, turn off the engine. Uh, but Dewan Jones, his week, uh, 
went pretty well, even though he's out here for one practice. So I'll mention two other guys and then we'll, we'll hit some guys that, that needed better weeks. Um, but certainly not the end of their, there's no death knell for what, what it means for them going forward, but just, they probably would have preferred to have better weeks here, but I'll talk about my guy. And I think this is our other dollar bet. Debo, you can confirm it was Michael Wilson or Xavier Hutchinson gets drafted higher. Ooh. And you've been crushing me on Michael Wilson up to this week. And you, I think you finally came around late Thursday. Michael Wilson, the wide receiver out of Stanford, 6'1", 216, I think is what he weighed in at. I thought he had a good week. Yeah, he did. He surprised <laughs> me a little bit. He actually <laughs> caught the ball. And he actually ran faster than I thought. He was moving. Uh, yeah. And I liked Hutchinson a little better when I watched the tape. Yeah. But here, if we had to nudge guys, and this is where teams and general managers and scouts start nudging guys that are in the same area of the draft. Well, okay, let's look at the one-on-ones in the senior bowl. Uh, but I thought I thought your guy Wilson, and I know you're prejudiced because of his name. Yes. Uh, but you ought to just look at a clear vision and just judge people for who they are, not what their last name is. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't pick his last name. So again, but the, they're going to be in the same cluster, I would imagine, when we when we break these. Yeah, guys. and I think it'll it'll separate itself out. But he, I thought, separated himself. Take out the small. Uh, receivers that we just talked about yeah. that are return specialists. To me, he was probably the most impressive of all the bigger receivers down here. The way he looked like ran, the way he ran his routes, uh, the way he was able to separate. I uh, had a couple drops, but for the most part, he caught the ball pretty consistently. So I was, I, I definitely have to say, I was impressed with him. And again, he could be a guy that ends up sneaking into to Friday based on the way his pre-draft process has started if he continues down that road. I liked um, Xavier Hutchinson, the, the wide receiver at Iowa State, late third, early fourth, and I probably am still still there. Like, he didn't have a bad week. He just, um, compared to Michael Wilson, it wasn't quite as dynamic as perhaps we were hoping to see. Uh, let's talk about some other guys. We talked about some of the quarterbacks and their struggles there. So Luke Musgrave has gotten some, some run as a, a, a tight end that a lot of people are going to be focused on. He was injured, didn't play much of the season, and he looked bigger than I thought in person than when I saw him on tape. But I, he's not going to block, and you have to be okay with that if you take him high in the draft as a, as a receiving target, which he's certainly capable of. But I felt like he wasn't as consistent as I wanted him to be. Every time, every few passes, we'd say, oh, there's a drop, and it'd be Musgrave. Would this concern you at all? Is this just a function of a – Yeah, I think it's a little bit on how rusty was he because I think he played the first two games of the season and been then sat out the rest of the year. So technically he hasn't played for almost a year uh, of football. And um, But the one thing is that I was surprised on how well he was built for how tall he is. Uh, he was put together. He was a little disappointing as a run blocker, but you never really had to do that at Oregon State. The one thing I did notice is for a guy that size, uh, he can really run and stretch the field. And for a guy that tall, I thought he got into and out of his breaks. The thing that just disappointed me the most was the drops, and especially drops in contested situations. Um, you know, he made a couple of nice catches. He uh, str- struggled Tuesday and early Wednesday. Then Wednesday late uh, during team period, he started making some plays. Uh, today he had a couple drops in contested situations. So a guy that size with that athletic ability, he really could have shot up if he would have caught the ball more consistently than he did uh, down here at the senior bowl. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, he'll, he'll go to the combine. And, he'll run a four five, six and everyone will forget about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, you just got to remember this time of year with scouts and general man, everybody is trying to poke as many holes into these guys as possible. This guy can't play. This guy can't play. And when you look, 
at the end of your draft meetings, if, if they're not a top five pick, then no one can play in the league. But then the closer the draft gets, you fall back in love with everybody. And you told me this early on. You're not necessarily looking for what a guy can't do. You want to see what he can do because that's Great. the whole point of playing football. I mean, I get it. A lot of people can't do things, but what can this guy add to the team that you're thinking about drafting? Was there anyone that uh, didn't quite meet your expectations this week? Uh, there were a couple guys. I think, um, you know, if I look down here at my list, I would say, you know, one of the guys I was a little disappointed in uh, was Daniel Scott okay. from Cal because I thought as a safety and when I watched him that he was a very good football player, uh, better closer to the box. But I thought on the tape I saw in the fall he had good range on the back end, had some ball skills, and I just didn't see that equate to what I saw in practice. I thought he was a little stiffer uh, in space, especially when he had to work versus receivers. Gave up a touchdown today in the red zone. So uh, I'm going to go back and maybe look in, at the practices because we're doing all this base just off a live look. Right. We got, you know, 80 bodies running around here and there, but I want to go back and see the tape. But I thought I was going to expect more out of him than uh, than I saw because he was one of my good football player guys uh, yeah. that, that wasn't really uh, a recognizable name. And. The fall tape I liked a lot, and I, I thought he had a potential to be a day two guy. And, again, you have to go back and watch and wonder why, why is he getting beat, why is the separation there um, in the and those downfield throws. Uh, so, again, something to watch. All right, Rick, we'll get out of here on this. Do you have a, a favorite guy that you, you want to pump up um, before we get out? One last guy that you were excited by what he did? And if you need help, I can tell you who your answer is going to be. Who's my answer going to be? It's going to be Riley Moss, the cornerback at Iowa. I love Riley Moss, the corner from Iowa. <laughs> you told me Monday night that he's going to run the four threes, and I laughed, laughed myself out of the out of the table. And Debo mentioned earlier today that he said he's going to run the four threes, and he looked fast. Yeah. No, he was a kid that everybody was talking about was, is he fast enough or does he have enough athletic movement skills to play corner at the NFL? Everybody's kind of projecting him because he's a smart, instinctive football player to free safety. Right. Uh, but I thought he held his own and one was one of the better corners down here. If you take Kelly, you take Rush, I thought he was right up there. Maybe not as productive as some of those guys, but held his own against this receiver class down here. The one thing that impressed me is I did see the speed. And yes. when he had to turn out, uh, when he got worked upfield and he had to turn his hips, and when he got stretched down the field on some vertical routes, uh, he stayed stride for stride with a lot of these guys. And I, I was pretty excited to see that. And I think he is a legit NFL corner. And if you're watching on YouTube, Debo has the speed leaders from the day one of practice. Riley Moss is at the top among the, the defensive backs. So with our guy, Sidney Brown, he's our guy now. <laughs> and um, <laughs> along with Anthony Johnson on EBA, Jay Ward out of LSU and Ronnie Hickman out of Ohio State, uh, the last two are safeties. And, and Johnson's future may end up being at safety. Uh, depending on how the same plays out. My guy, before we go and get out of here, he was a late ad, showed up Wednesday. I don't think he practiced. Oh, don't Thursday. take my guy. You're taking my guy from I, Sac State? That's right. Oh, God. Marte Mapu. I got to stop talking to you during practices, so I got to point out guys to you. So I don't tell, tell, tell me what you've seen that you liked about this guy because I fell in love with the guy at the at practice. So he played all over the place during the fall. He would play in the slot. He would play off-ball linebacker. He would play the overhang position. So they moving around, but it sounds like this week, uh, based on some of the folks you talked to, he's primarily, and he was listed as a linebacker, so he may move inside. I don't know if he's going to gain weight or what. The yeah, players. they said, and they lined him up at linebacker mm -hmm. when he practiced yesterday. And uh, the one thing that really stood out to me is this is a small school kid that had a chip on his shoulder 
and wanted to prove that he belonged here and how athletic and you've seen the speed. And right away, he's going to have to learn how to play linebacker. But the one thing that stood out with that speed and that athleticism, it looks like he's a hitter. Yep. Uh, that he's going to be an immediate help on special teams as he learns and grows into the position of linebacker. And it may take him a year or two. But the other thing that out of anyone that we watched, and we watched a lot of great players down here, is his effort and chase to the ball. I mean, he's chasing running backs 30 yards downfield, running back to get in a huddle, chasing a guy over to the sideline. Those, those are the first thing that popped out to me. I was like, wow, this guy's pretty athletic and he can run. And then 10 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards. I was like, this still guy is running and chasing, and he's playing his rear end off to prove everybody that, hey, I belong here, and I belong playing in the NFL. So he probably came in as day three guy, Sacramento State. They they played a, at least one big game early in the season uh, outside of their their schedule. Uh, so I get sort of some Talanoa Hufunga vibes. I get some sort of Jeremy Chin light vibes. Uh, obviously, Funga went in the fifth round, I believe. Chin went in the second round, I believe. Oh, that's a pretty big wingspan. I mean, a, yeah. yeah, a span. Is he second rounder or is he more of a I fifth think rounder? He's probably like I like Prisco makes funny about falling in love, like I said. I don't know if he's top 100, but the way he plays, it gets your attention. And that's sort of the whole point. I mean, yeah. he's not a guy who's you want him to be better than he is. He's better than you expected, which which sort of excites you. One last thing before we go, and I thought about this Wednesday, uh, Thursday during um while you were inside getting hot chocolate and I was freezing watching <laughs> watching the stretching of the second team. Using my binoculars, the first time I ever came to a senior bowl and an analyst doesn't have a pair of binoculars. They're built into the glasses. <laughs> yeah. Apparently glasses. they don't work. <laughs> <laughs> so do you watch, because you mentioned watching Mapu run down players and, and hustle back and forth to the huddle. Do you watch warm-ups to see how guys stretch, whether they're serious about it or not? Or is that not, you don't know? Yeah, a little bit here. It's like, you know, everybody's, do, you know, on their best behavior. Right. But I, the one thing that, you really found out a lot about a player. Like when I went to uh, games and stuff that you can't see on tape, like yeah. I was at a game and, and, you know, guys first in line or a guy that's, mm -hmm. you know, getting lathered up, you know, it's important to him. I've seen guys that were first round talents and this guy was as talented as any player. And I won't mention his name, but wouldn't warm up with his position group mm -hmm. and actually went back in the huddle. The coaches are trying to talk him to come back out. He uh, he did not have anything to do with that. Yeah. Uh, but they had to play him because he was their best player. So <laughs> that's how that works. But yeah. But eventually that catches up with you, and it caught up with this player once he got into the NFL. Okay, that's it. That's a wrap from Mobile, Alabama. Senior Bowl 2023 in the books. Uh, Rick's leaving tomorrow. I take my job seriously, so I will be here <laughs> through the game on Saturday. Then Rick and I will reconvene in Phoenix next week. Uh, we'll have our podcast on Tuesday. And we'll tweet out details about exactly when that is. Uh, I know Debo has it on the schedule, but I don't have it in front of you. But we're doing that Tuesday. You can watch us live. We'll be there all week with CBS Sports HQ as well. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. If you leave a five-star review and a little note about what you want Rick to talk about for Rick's picks or any draft-related questions or any questions about anything. I've learned, like, Rick has a lot of advice about all sorts of things I've learned this week. <laughs> all of it may not be true. Oh, wait, I, I didn't get it yet. I keep going. Yeah. And get your free shirt. Uh, <laughs> from Debo. From Make Debo. sure you run Debo down in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> not with a car, just asking for their shirt. You get, you get a all right, that's it. That's a wrap for episode nine. Thank you, everybody. And we will see you guys next week from Phoenix.